Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the two services. We had a good turnout at the first service, and good to see a good turnout at the second service, and we're just looking forward to great things in the days ahead, especially as we tackle this new series, which I'm calling the Logo Series, but you can call it Y Cross Church. In our logo, there are a number of symbols, and if you have a bulletin, you'll notice that those uh, elements have been drawn out so that you can see uh, what all is in there. Each one of those symbols uh, has a significance, and we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. But today, we're going to be looking at the, at the ichthys, the fish, in our logo. Uh, you'll see it uh, here. Let me just take, take a moment to point it out. The, the, yes, please turn off your phones. Thank you. Uh, we have the fish in the middle. Say hi. Uh, and then the other thing we've got here surrounding the fish is, of course, the world. Um, we're going to talk about what that all means in just a moment. But let me just say this first of all about the fish. Uh, as you saw in the video clip, it actually uh, stands for Jesus Christ. Ichthys stands for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. I want everybody to recognize this morning that at the very center of the Christian faith, the very center of what we believe, is in fact Jesus Christ himself. Someday, every one of us is going to stand before God, and God's going to ask us the question, what did you do with my son? That's the question that you're going to, you're going to hear. And it's really, really important that you know what to say. It's really important that you've got the right answer. Because I'm going to tell you today that, you know, whether you know this or not, that what happens here on earth will affect you forever in eternity. Now, I'm a pastor. I have been given the responsibility for the sheep of, 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 of this church. And I can tell you that church as we know it today, Christianity in North America as we know it today, is utterly and completely different than it was when I started in ministry back 30 years ago. It's a new day. And there is, there are things, things going on right now in, in the Christian world that are extremely troubling, but even more troubling than that is what's happening in our culture and in our society. We live in a day and an age where people just do not respect or appreciate or understand what the church is all about. In fact, the church has brought a lot of that upon themselves. We've seen abuses through uh, various television evangelists and ministries, and not just those on TV, but uh, we've seen in the, in the Catholic church amongst the priests, we've seen abuses, we've seen all sorts of, uh, of abuses, and we could go on and on talking about that. But I don't want to do that today. What I want to do, however, is I want to talk to you about what's happening. The church is not respected. The church is not appreciated. In fact, we're hearing more and more that we basically don't want to hear from the church at all. And those who are in ministry, those who are pastors, they're not respected anymore. There's a time when a pastor was held with respect. And, in fact, he was given the title reverend, which basically means one who is respected. I'm, I'm ordained. I, have, I, I could use the title reverend, but I don't. And the reason I don't is just because of what has happened in our day and age. 
people do not respect the pastor. They do not respect what a, what a, a minister has to say. These are very strange times. In fact, I think most of us here today would recognize we're living in dark times. We're, we're, we're now entering into uncharted waters. When I started a ministry, basically, our culture accepted the importance, the significance, and the value of a church. Even if people didn't go to church, even if people were atheists, they would say, yeah, but you know what? The church stands for, for good values and for what is moral and what is right. And so although I don't personally believe in God, uh, the church is still good. Folks, that's not the case anymore. We're living in a day and age that says the church is nothing more than a collection of people that hold to myths. They believe Christianity is a myth. They believe the Bible is a myth. They believe that God is imaginary, like Santa Claus. And our young people are growing up in a culture and a world that is bombarding them with that, with that message. And the question is this, is how, how do we overcome this? We live in a day and age when Christians now have adopted what we call hyper-grace. Uh, hyper-grace uh, basically says this. You can call yourself a Christian. You can go to church. You can say, I'm a believer. But at the same time, you can do whatever you want. You can be a drunkard. You can be an addict. You can, you can do whatever you want. You can cheat, lie, and steal. All you have to do is go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. You can live like hell all through the week, on Sunday, you can go and say, God, please forgive me, and then you can go back on Monday to do the things you were doing before. We call this antinomianism. It's a theological term, so it basically means against the law, functioning against God's revealed truth or God's will. I'm going to tell you, those who hold to that position of hyper-grace, that is, I can call myself a Christian, I said the sinner's prayer, I can do whatever I want, and then I can live any way I want. I want you to know something. You're not a Christian. You think you are. And some of you are sitting here today saying, Pastor, how could you be so judgmental? Look, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And so here, here's what I need you to know today. We live in this time when one person says, well, this is what I believe, and another person says, well, this is what I believe, and they will both say, well, you know what? That's your truth, and this is my truth, and both our truths are valid. Now, I'm going to say this to you. If you've got a brain in your head, if you understand logic, you've got to understand that two people with two opposing views cannot be right. One of them is right and one of them is wrong. This is why Christian apologist and defender of the faith, Ravi Zacharias, wrote a book called The End of Reason. We're living in a day and age that says... I can do whatever I want, I can believe whatever I want, and my way is valid. But i got to tell you that that is not the teaching of Scripture. I know that there are some churches, that we've got a few in this city, I'm not going to name them, but we've got churches in our city that actually hold to that view. You're, that's your truth, and this is my truth, and both our truths are valid. Folks, I want to tell you, this goes against everything in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. What is truth? The truth is not what you believe or what you think is right or, what, or your philosophy of life or what you've come up with on your own. Truth 
is a reflection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, he revealed himself as this. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And Jesus says, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes this fantastic claim that he is the truth. In fact, Jesus is saying, the truth that I bring to you is the only valid truth. Now, this makes people angry because it sounds like you're being intolerant or exclusive. Now, can I tell you this this morning? Jesus in no way has come to condemn or judge. The Bible says that. He did not come to, to, to judge or to condemn, but to do what? To save the world. Can I tell you this today? What matters when you're in trouble or when you're dying is that you get the truth about your situation and that you get the help that you need. Who ever heard of somebody going to a surgeon and saying, you know what, I've got cancer, but look, rather than doing it your way, I'd like you to do it mine. You wouldn't dream of doing that, would you? Why? Because you're not the expert. Because at the end of the day, you really don't know. You trust the surgeon because you believe the surgeon knows what he's doing. Guess what, folks? When it comes to truth, Jesus Christ is the expert. He has come the Bible says in John chapter 1, he has come from the Father full of grace and truth. He has come to this world to reveal to us the mind of God, to show us, to teach us what it is that we need to know. There's a, all kinds of, of blogs about the reasons why young people and young adults are leaving the church. And it's amazing the conclusions that people are coming to. There's all kinds of conclusions. The church is not relevant enough. It's not hip enough. It's not geared to the younger generation. We don't listen to the younger generation. We don't give the younger generation a voice in the church. We don't, we don't include them in decision-making. And, and it goes on and on and on. Can I just tell you this? The reason why people leave the church or leave Jesus Christ is because they're not converted, because they're not born again. Because they haven't surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. The definition of being a Christian means that you have come in full surrender to Jesus Christ. That you're willing to say, Father, not my will, but thine be done. But we live in a day and age where we have told everybody that they're brilliant, they're smart, they know everything, and that in and of themselves, they have all that they need. And there's nothing that is more untrue than that. The fact of the matter is, is that we are bankrupt. I'm not talking just financially. I'm talking morally and even intellectually. So, Pastor, those are huge claims. How can you say that? Well, folks, can I just remind you? Watch CNN for a few days and see the condition of the world and then tell me that our, our culture, our world, is not headed for disaster. Fundamentally, we as human beings have got massive problems. And some people will, will preach the doctrine that, that, you know, fundamentally all human beings are good. And if that were the case, we would be progressively getting better. But the fact is, is that we're not. We're not getting better. And so we see a dictator gas his own people. Thousands die at the hands of this brutal dictator. And the so-called Christian West looks on and says, it's terrible, it's bad, this is wrong, what a bad man, but we're not doing anything. There's something wrong with this picture. 
Now, I'm not advocating that we go to war. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, is that what we're seeing in Syria is just the very worst of what any one of us could be or do. So, oh, pastor, don't you dare compare me to that man. But the fact of the matter is, folks, is that at the core of every one of us is a capacity for sin, a capacity for selfishness, a capacity to do whatever we want to do. Now comes a discussion of the ichthys. That's what the fish is. It's, we call that the ichthys. It's a Greek word meaning fish. The letters in the word fish spell out Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Those of us who belong to the fellowship of the ichthys, the fellowship of the fish, because remember, folks, it wasn't the cross that was the first symbol of the early church. The symbol of the early church was the fish. And here's what would happen. A believer would spot someone across the room and think, man, that person looks like, looks like he might be or she might be a believer. You know, you, you, you've seen that. People have a certain look on their countenance. There's a, there's a joy, a happiness, a peace about them. They, their attitude is good. They, they carry themselves a, a certain way. And so what would happen, rather than risking getting into trouble, being exposed as a believer, because remember, in, in the early part of, of, uh, uh, of the early church, in the first two, two centuries, you could lose your life if you were known as a believer. You saw the video clip. And so what, what, what they would do is they'd just sort of make the ark in the, in the sand, on the wherever, and if the other person was a believer, they would complete the fish by putting in the second ark. So you have the first ark and the bottom ark. And together that would create the fish, or what we call the ichthys. Our church has chosen to be represented by the, by the, by the fish. And I'm going to tell you why. Because never in the history of Christianity, at least in the West, have we faced what we are going to face that is so similar to what happened at the early part of the early church. We're going into dark days. I told you we've entered into uncharted waters. These are dark times ahead. I don't know what the future is. I don't even know if down the, down the line we'll even be able to meet in a building like this. Because the laws are being passed against Christ, against Christianity. You say, Pastor, that's a bit extreme. Don't you think you're being a little bit, just a wee bit paranoid? No. You see... I'm, I'm privy to all kinds of information about, about Christendom, about, about the church and what's happening in the church around the world. Do you know that there are Christians being persecuted all over the world right now? There are Christians losing their, li- losing their lives. Do you know that there are pastors in England thrown into jail because they are preaching what government officials call a message of intolerance? Do you know that there are families right now who are losing their children because of what the parents are teaching their kids? I just read a story about a a family in Germany that's homeschooling their kids. The state uh, has, has made a judgment to take away the kids from the parents. And folks, I could go on and on today and tell you what's going on right now. But right now, you and I, we're living in a safe little place. We're, we're in a cocoon of safety, and we think this is going to go on forever. And I'm going to tell you, it's not. We're living in dark days. And I'm going to tell you why we're living in dark days. And I'm going to tell you why the church is no longer respected. It's because the church has failed to be the church. We have failed to communicate the truth that sets people free. And we become irrelevant. 
We've either put an emphasis on making money that God wants to bless you, and if you get rich, then you got the blessing of God. That's, it's either that emphasis or, and you know that, you turn on a TV preacher and they're just asking for money. Or they're preaching a message about money, how God wants to bless you, make you rich. Listen, Christians are gullible enough to swallow that. But those who don't know Christ understand, they recognize that there's something that is not genuine about that. Because most people know that Jesus Christ was a good man and that Jesus taught good things. The world will say Jesus, if he's not Christ or not God, they will at least admit that he was a great teacher. And they recognize that this Jesus was one who said, foxes have holes, but birds have, nest. birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And they look on and they see that what we've got to say is really, really quite irrelevant. And it goes even beyond that, because we, we no longer teach a message of holiness. You know... I have now, for the past few years, really, really struggled with being a pastor. And I'll tell you why. Because we are living in such dark days and because we are living in a day where people don't want to hear the truth, they really don't want to hear the pastor tell them what they should or shouldn't do. Pastor, just give us a good pump in the arm, make us feel good, but don't, don't make us uncomfortable. Do you know, I wake up sometimes at 3 o'clock in the morning, and that's the first thing that comes to my mind. How do I pastor in 2013? Pastors' conferences being held all over, the, all over the United States, all over the world, really, about how pastors can grow big churches because that's the big, the big push. How can I grow a big church? And they failed to recognize that Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. It's not my job to build the church. You know what my job is? To make disciples. My job is to teach you how to follow God. My job is to teach you how to be holy so that you can go to heaven. Did everybody hear that? That's what I lay awake about, lay awake at night thinking about. How can I make sure that all my people come home with me? See, my job is not to get you to come to my church. My, my job, my vision, my prayers, how do I get you to come to heaven with me? And that's what I, I pray for. I pray for my sheep, the people that God has entrusted to me. I pray that God would do a work in the hearts of the people of Cross Church that they would surrender to God and do God's will. You know, we, we talk about praying for revival and we need a move of God in our midst and some people say, you know, revival's coming. I'm gonna tell you, there's no revival coming. If anybody has heard that message, I'm gonna tell you there's no revival coming because the spirit of God cannot move upon people who are not interested in him and not interested in doing what he says. Let somebody say to me, you know, Pastor, we need to join with some of the other churches who are joining together to pray for revival. And I want to say, well, why don't you come to some of the prayer meetings at our own church? You see, people are always running around looking for the newest show, the greatest, the greatest show, the, the, the newest and the most exciting entertainment in the church world. 
They want to go to the, where the grass is greener. They want to go where there's a great show. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Here at this church, we're in the business of making disciples, making followers of Jesus Christ. My job is to make sure that you are fit for heaven. My job is to make sure that you have been instructed, that you've been taught, that you have learned the habits that are necessary to make it possible for you to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. That's my job. And that's what, I, that's what keeps me up at nights, and that's what I pray for. But you've got to be holy. You have to be set apart for God's purposes because the Bible says without holiness, no one can go to heaven. Pastor, what are you talking about? What do I need to do? Well, this, this series on the, the logo, what we stand for, what we're about, we're going to actually set, the, set a foundation for you so that further on in the, in the fall, come October, we're going to begin a series that we're going to teach you the habits that you need to practice in order to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to tell you what you need to know. Because those, here's what I know. Those who are serious about following Jesus Christ are the ones who are, who are saying, Pastor, teach me what I need to do. Teach me what I need to know because I want to make sure that I enjoy eternal life. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. I'm going to tell you what Jesus wants you to do. That's why Jesus is at the very center of who we are. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. That's what that fish represents. That fish represents you and me. We belong to a group who understand that. Now look what Jesus said in his prayer. Just before Jesus left this earth, he went to his father in prayer. John recorded it. He heard it and he recorded it. And here's, here's what Jesus prayed for you and for me. Imagine that. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was praying for us. And here's what Jesus prayed John chapter 17, verse 14. Can we put that up? Thanks. I have given them your word. Listen, remember, God is pray- Jesus is praying to the Father. I have given them your word. The word, by the way, is the truth. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. The world hates them. That's you and me. The world hates us because we don't belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them safe from the evil one. And he goes on to pray. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. So here's, here's what you need to know if you're going to live a holy life. If you're going to live a life that's going to get you safely home. When I talk about getting you safely home, I'm talking about heaven. The first thing you need to know, according to Jesus' prayer, is that you and I are not of this world. And that's why when we look at the, can we put that logo up again? That's why when you look at that logo, the fish stands apart from the world. It's in the world, but it's not of it. You can clearly see the fish in the context of the world because the fish is not of the world. Folks, that's the way it is with you and I. You and I are in this world, but we're not of it. We stand out. We're different. We're not like the rest of the world. You say, Pastor, what do you mean we're not of the world? What does that mean? What does the world even represent? Well, we're talking, obviously, about more than just the physical earth. 
this globe that's spinning on its axis out in outer space. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is a world view, a world system, a philosophy of living, a way to approach life. And our world tells us that it's all about me. I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to do whatever I want. In fact, that's the message that bombards us all the time, isn't it? All, all marketing any company that wants to sell its product, what does it do? It appeals to your selfish nature. And you say, yeah, you're right. I do deserve a break today. Yeah, I do deserve that car. I do deserve that watch. I do deserve whatever you tell me I deserve. I deserve it. You know, there was a time we never even heard people talking like that. You never heard someone say, you know, I deserve this. But that's, that's from 100 years of being bombarded by a marketing machine that tells you that it's all about you. It's completely, completely opposite to what the Bible says. The Bible tells you it's not about you. It's not all about you. In fact, the Bible tells us that what it means to be a, a Christ follower is that it's all about him. It's all about saying, Father, not my will, but thine be done. It's, it's all about others. It's all about serving others and loving and caring for others. So here's what we need to know about the world. The world stands for everything that is opposed to God and the word of God. And that's why John says in 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So here's the thing, folks. If you don't stand out, if you're not different from the world, if you've bought into what the world believes and what the, what the world teaches, then the Bible says you're not a Christian. Pastor, how dare you say that to me? Well, look, it's, I'm not telling you that. The Bible's saying that. Listen, listen to James, what he says in James chapter 4, verse 4. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And Paul to the Corinthians says, what, what business does a believer have being in fellowship with those who are not believers? Can darkness be yoked to the light? It's impossible. So I'm going to ask you a question today. And it's critical, folks, to your understanding of our faith and what we believe, it's critical for you to understand what it means to be holy. It's critical to understand this if you're actually going to make it to heaven. My question is this. Are you in the world or are you of it? Do people know that there's a difference? That there's something about you that's, that's strange? That happened to me the other day. In fact, it happened yesterday. I was sitting at Tim Hortons, having a cup of coffee. Some guy had just gotten his, his lunch, and he came and sat down right beside me. Now, you've got to understand, if I'm in Tim Hortons alone, it's because I want to spend some time reading. And uh, this guy sat right down beside me. And I actually had my Bible out, and, and I mean, he had no idea what I was reading, what I was looking at. But he just plunked himself down beside me, and he asked me the question, So, are you a Christian? I said, Yeah. <laughs> How could you tell? He <laughs> said, my breath. But it... I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I, I am. Why do you ask? He goes, oh, I thought so. And I thought, okay, that's the end of the conversation. I can get back to my reading. No such thing. 
When he found out that I was a Christian, he began to pour out his life story. He told me about how his dad had just passed away. He told me how his son-in-law just, just died of a heart attack. He began to tell me the story about what he'd been through. And at the end of it all, he says, maybe I'll come to your church sometime. I said, you'd be welcome. And then he left. And I thought to myself, isn't it interesting? This person just, just takes one look at me and they know there's something different. Do people know you're, you're a believer? People know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? If somebody came up beside you, would, would they be drawing half the ark so that you could complete it with the other ark? You see, this is what it means to be a believer. You stand out as one who belongs to Jesus Christ. But you know what we've done? We, we, we've really made some big mistakes in North America. Because what we've tried to do is we've tried to shove Christianity down people's throats. So now they're saying, we don't want any part of this. Rather than just demonstrating it and sharing the love of Christ, we try to make people act like Christians even though they're not. I'm going to tell you, there's some people here today who say, you know, I said the sinner's prayer once. I go to church every Sunday. Therefore, I must be a believer. No. To be a follower of Jesus Christ means that you obey him and do what he says. It means that you are in this world, but you're not of it. It means there's something very, very different about you. So when I look at that fish, the ichthys, again, ichthys is Greek for fish. It represents a group of people who are committed to following Jesus Christ and doing what Jesus says. Peter, in his letter, describes these people who are the people of the fish. He describes them like this. 1 Peter 2.9, For you are a chosen people. Did you know that about yourself? God's chosen you. If you're a follower of Christ, then you've been chosen by God. You are a royal priesthood. You are, listen to this, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Folks, listen, you and I make a difference in this world, not by being of the world, but by being in it. And of course, you know what it means to be of the world. It means when you're of the world, it means you're just living like the world lives. You do what the world does. You talk like the world does. You have bad language, bad attitude. You lie, you cheat. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, there's got to be something different about you. You've got to stand out. You've got to stand out as clearly as that fish stands out in the midst of that circle. We are not of this world. This is, uh, it was this, this philosophy that caused the Amish to live separated from the world. They took it to an extreme. They got one half of the equation right. Because Jesus said, don't be of the world, so therefore they went and got some property and they decided that they were going to really take this seriously and not do anything like what the world does. They're not going to have vehicles. They're not going to have, just have horses. Like, you know, having a horse wouldn't be a bad thing. What do you think, Adam? Be Amish, Amish for a while? That's why the Hutterites live in their, their little colony, away from the world, having nothing to do with the world. Only somebody forgot to tell them that if they're going to really be serious about this, then they shouldn't shop at Walmart. It used to be Kmart. 
Someone once said that the very first thing that a Hutterite baby hears is, attention, Kmart shoppers. <laughs> you know what, listen. You know, we can be such hypocrites and we can get this so wrong. The Hutterites, the Amish, they tried to separate themselves from the world so they wouldn't be of it. But there's a problem with this, with this way, this approach. Is that Jesus said that we have to be in the world. Let's take a look at that scripture. John 17, 14 to 18, verse 18 particularly, it says, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. You're not of this world, but Jesus has sent you to this world. That's why, folks, we go to Africa. That's why we go to Zambia. That's why we go to Costa Rica. This is why we go to Burundi. This is why we, we try to do what we can in the north and why we try to do what we can in our community because God's called us to go into the world. God is sending us into the world to make a difference, to bring what? Well, Jesus started his ministry, Matthew chapter 6, with these very words. You are the salt and the light of the world. Jesus has called us to be his representatives in this dark and broken and hurting world. That's who we are. That's what this logo represents. It represents a people who are not of this world, but who are in this world. A people who are holy, who have been set apart for God's purposes. So, nobody has to worry that next week we'll be issuing polka dot dresses to the ladies or, or black hats and black suspenders to the men. We don't need to do that. And certainly God is not calling us to be weird in the sense that we dress and act and talk weird. What's supposed to shine through you and I, folks, is the love of Jesus Christ. The peace that comes from knowing my sins have been forgiven. That someday, should I die, I will be ushered into the very presence of God. What should register in your life is the joy that comes from walking with Jesus Christ and knowing that peace. What would people say about you? Would people see Jesus in you? Would they recognize there's something different about you? Not because you're obnoxious or because you're judgmental or condemning people. I know some people think that the way to really please Jesus is go to work and condemn everybody at work who does things that they wouldn't do. If you're that kind of a Christian, would you shut up, please? You're making it really rough for the rest of us. You're destroying our testimony. That's why the world looks on at the church and says, what a bunch of hypocrites. What a bunch of condemning, judgmental people. What God has called you and I to do is go and demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. To go and bring truth that will set people free and help them in the midst of their darkness and their pain. That's who we are. That's what we're about. Jesus has no intention of taking us out of the world. He wants us to stay in the world to make a difference. Jesus says, the world's going to hate you as they hated me. Why? Because you stand for what's true and what's right. Because you stand for a lifestyle that's not all about you. You stand for a life that's all about serving God and serving people. I'm going to tell you, that goes right against the grain of those who are committed to themselves and and living self-centered lives. 
what's going on in your life. You see, holiness, according to God, is being set apart for his purpose. Being separated for his purpose. A surgeon has his tools, scalpels and and whatnot. Those tools, those instruments, have to be pure. If one accidentally falls on the floor, the nurse doesn't quickly pick it up and wipe it on her smock and put it back on the tray. At least I hope not. That instrument is only useful in the hands of the surgeon if it's pure. And if that instrument is pure, undefiled, if that instrument is free of bacteria, if it's truly sterilized and clean, then that scalpel can save your life. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart now. Because God wants to use you. He wants you to be in his instrument in his hand, bringing life to a world that's full of pain and brokenness and darkness. But folks, you are useless if you've not been separated and set apart for God's purposes and for God's purposes alone. Every time you look at this logo, I want you to think, Holiness. I want you to think, I am a man, I am a woman who has Jesus Christ, who's been made holy and who's been made separated, made separate from the world. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. You're in this world, but you're not of it. You don't do what the world does. You don't talk like the world talks. You don't joke like the world jokes. I had a number of people come to me after the service and tell me the things that they were going to stop doing, the things that they were going to cut out of their lives. I wonder what you need to cut out of your life. I'm going to tell you, you need the power of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life because I can tell you this, you can't do it on your own. But folks, that's the point of being a follower of Christ is that you have been given the Holy Spirit to work in you and to enable you to follow him. The disciples looked on and listened to the message of Christ and what Jesus was demanding of people and they said, Jesus, this is impossible. And Jesus, to paraphrase it a little bit, said, ah, the pennies dropped. You get it. You can't do it on your own. With man, it is impossible to follow God. But with God, all things are possible. Why? Because you and I have been regenerated by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Folks, listen to me. You don't belong to a club here. This is not just some club like the, like the Kiwanis or the Rotarians. You are part of a fellowship of people who have the power and the Spirit of God upon them. You are part of a group of people who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. That is, you've been saved for eternity. 
And the Spirit of God is working in you. And here's here's how you're going to know that the Spirit of God is working in you. When you leave here today and you're driving home and someone cuts you off, you're going to be tempted to either curse or get mad, get even, or try to speed ahead and cut in front of him and teach him a lesson. Or you're going to feel the Holy Spirit within you say, don't do it. You're going to be at home and your kids are going to say something, do something that really annoys you, and you're going to be tempted to open your mouth and say something you shouldn't say. But the Spirit of God inside of you is going to say, don't. Your husband's going to say something that really annoys you. Your husband will not be able to read your mind, and it's going to really annoy you. And all the men said, preach it, pastor. (laughs) And you're going to be tempted to get angry at him. But the Holy Spirit's going to say, don't. What is that check in your spirit? What is that voice? I'll tell you what it is. It's the Holy Spirit. This is the wonder of our faith. This is the wonder of Christianity. What it means to be a follower of Christ is that God is at work in you and me. He's telling us what to do and he's telling us what not to do. But I gotta warn you, it's a quiet voice and he'll never force you to do anything that you don't wanna do. Why? Because folks, listen, it's a love relationship. And when there's love, there can be no force. You and I have to make a decision. Are we going to really love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Well, it's going to mean that you are going to listen to the prompting and the moving of the Holy Spirit in every decision that you make. It's all about saying yes to Jesus. Will you say yes, Lord? Yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. You know what? This is what God does to me every time I preach a sermon like this. The day before, I get all kinds of tests. I'm standing in line at chapters wanting to buy a book. I'm patiently waiting there. And this guy walks, waltzes right across the room, right in front of me, right to the till. And I'm standing there like thinking, am I invisible? I'm a pretty big guy. (laughs) And I wanted to say, hey, just a minute. And then I felt the spirit of God check me and say, keep your mouth shut. Or you won't be able to preach that sermon tomorrow. (laughs) I hate it when God does that. And you'd be pleased to, you'd be proud of your pastor. You'd be pleased to know that although I felt like saying something, I kept my mouth shut. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's not about you. It's about pleasing Jesus. It's about bringing honor to the name of God. That fish... That's you and me in this world. We have Jesus written on our hearts. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is a Christian, somebody who follows Jesus. Do your family really believe you're a Christian? Do your kids think you're faking it, parents? 
Oh, you call yourself a Christian? He's so pious. What a hypocrite. What a hypocrite. What do your people at work say about you? You know. You know. Folks, over the next few weeks, we're going to lay a foundation for your faith. It's in this little logo, and every time you look at that logo, you're going to be reminded of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Folks, listen to me. My greatest desire, my greatest prayer is that every one of you will be with me in heaven. But you're going to have to make a decision to live that holy life. You're in this world, but you're not of it. That's what holiness is. You're in this world making a difference, set apart for God's purposes. Will you be with me? Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you, God, for the calling upon our lives to to be Christians and to follow you. We know, God, that in, in Christ there is eternal life and there's a hope of heaven and we don't have to worry about anything knowing that you are sovereign, you're in charge, you're in control. God, help us to live this life fully yielded to you, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because, God, we know that at the end of the day, we need to be a holy people who are in this world but not of it, who are in this world being the salt and the light, sharing the love of Christ. God, we commit ourselves to you now, thanking you for the Spirit of God who helps us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Would you tell the person beside you, make sure you're following Jesus.